praise him for a moment because he turned it. Somebody ought to take about 30 seconds and just remember where he brought you from this morning. I was stuck, but he turned it. I was addicted, but he turned it. I was in bondage, but he turned it. Sometimes we sing, God made it fail. God made it fail. Woo! Everything the devil tried, God made it fail. Anybody got that testimony? God made it fail. God made it fail. Everything the devil tried, God made it fail. You ought to shout because it failed. 
time in this place. I'm here because it failed. I'm standing here because it failed. I'm in the house of God because his plan failed. I wasn't supposed to be here this morning, but I was supposed to be locked up, but it failed. I should have been dead, sleeping in my grave, but it failed. I should be in the hospital room right now, but it failed. Glory be to Jesus. Somebody give him a shout one more time. Clap your hands, all you people. While you're clapping your hands, somebody do what the Bible says and shout unto God with a voice of triumph in this place. Anybody got the victory on Sunday morning? High five about six people on the way to your seat. Tell them it failed, it failed, it The enemy hit me with his best shot and I still got back up. The enemy threw everything he had at me and I'm still living for God. Anybody grateful for the hand of God upon their life today? Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. I want to take a brief opportunity to again this morning welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord today. Rock Church, could I borrow your hands and your voice one more time? Would you help me make an ecstatic sound in this place for all of our... We could do better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests uh, into the house of the Lord in this place today. Amen. So good to see you here. So many wonderful guests. If this is your very first time here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers, uh, we want you to know that you are a VIP guest in this house today. Amen. And you should have received a VIP invitation card when you came through the door this morning. This is simply an invitation to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room and we have some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation that you would come and spend Sunday morning and worship with us here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Amen, somebody? Amen. We have a little understanding here at this church and I know that it is considered inappropriate at times to uh, dictate policy to first-time guests, but we have a little rule here that is very important to us, and that is that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. (laughs) After that, you're just at home here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Amen? Would you help me turn 360 degrees where you're sitting, shake every hand around you, just tell them, welcome home this morning. Come on, they're in front of you, they're behind you. Would you just tell them, welcome home this morning. 
Amen. Amen. We're so excited you're here. God is doing some incredible things. I want to remind you that February 4th, which is just a couple of Sundays from now, is Supernatural Sunday here at the Rock Church. Amen. And we, we are... We are pressing and striving for 100% attendance on that Sunday morning. It will be a, a momentous service uh, where we reach into the heavenlies and grab a hold of the vision God has for this house. We understand that we are living in the year that dreams become reality. Amen. Anybody else living in that? Anybody else living the dream this morning? Amen. So, so many incredible things happening in this house, and I don't want to miss any of it. Amen? Stand with me, if you would, all over this sanctuary. We're going to go to the Word of the Lord, and it is our custom to stand for the reading of the Word in this house. The book of Exodus, chapter 15, is where I want to invite you to join me in reading the Word of the Lord this morning. Exodus, chapter 15. I will begin reading in verse number 22. <clears throat> Exodus 15 and 22 says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went there three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance and there he proved them and for a few moments this morning I simply want to preach about the remedy for bitter water the remedy for bitter water can we put our Bibles down and one more time clap our hands unto the Lord in this sanctuary Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The story of the Exodus, God's people from Egypt, is perhaps the greatest testimony of what God wants to do in our lives. His promise of deliverance to you and to I. His promise of redemption and an opportunity of reconciliation to all of humanity. After 400 years of bondage and slavery, God remembers his promise. 
And he calls Moses to be a deliverer. He is a mouthpiece and God instructs him to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Could I just stop here at the beginning this morning uh, and preach to some people in the building uh, and let you know uh, that if you are here today uh, in bondage and in sin uh, and you are ready to be set free, uh, can I just preach to you uh, that Jesus has already gone before you uh, and declared, let uh, my uh, people uh, Go! Can I just preach to you this morning uh, that he's already defeated uh, death, uh, hell, uh, and the grave? Uh, can I preach to you this morning uh, that there is a God in heaven uh, that has already descended uh, into the depths of hell uh, and snatched the keys uh, from death, hell, and the grave? Oh, death, uh, where is thy sting? Uh, oh, grave, uh, where is is thy victory. I'm preaching to you about a God that has already declared a mandate to the enemy of your soul. Let my people go. Is there anybody here in the building this morning that's got a testimony that when God says let it go, the enemy has to let go. That when God declares you're free, the word of the Lord says he that the son has set free is free indeed. I wonder if there's any free people in the building that would just take a moment and shout because you remember the day that God stepped on the front of your life and declared, let them go. Woo! He's already made a way. And God, as only he can, brings his people out with a mighty hand and plague after plague after plague he defies the gods of the Egyptians and I don't have time to dive into all of the theology here but there is significance to each of the plagues and how they relate to the gods of Egypt suffice to say that God wanted them to understand that your God is greater than the Egyptian gods that the God you serve is more powerful than Pharaoh. The God you serve is greater than the idols that you find in Egypt. He's greater than the Egyptian God Horus and Isis and Osiris and Anubis and Bastet and Hathor and Set and Tal and Mat and Amun and Nut and the he wanted them to know uh, your God uh, is the only true uh, and wise God. Uh, and he wants somebody to know this morning uh, that he's greater than anything uh, that has you in bondage today. Uh, he's greater than cocaine. Uh, he's greater than heroin. Uh, he's greater than nicotine. Uh, he's greater than
greater than alcohol. He's greater than cannabis or methamphetamines. He's greater than sexual addictions. He wants you to know that he is greater than the gods of this world. He's greater than crack cocaine. He's greater than your money. He's greater than anything you've ever experienced in your entire life. Pharaoh, let my people go. He wanted them to know there is no God like your God. Can anybody testify this morning that when God sets you free, he sets you free. The enemy has to release you. He has to let go of your heart. He has to let go of your mind. He has to let go of your body. I need a witness in this house. When God brings you out, he's got to let go of your family. He's got to let go of your marriage. He's got to let go of your children. He's got to let go of your, when God brings you out, there won't be one hoof that's left in each. When God brings you out, he intends for your entire family to come with you. Not a stitch of clothing, not a wheel from your chariot, not a sheep, not a horse, not a carrot, not any agar. Everything is going to come out when God brings you. I wish somebody would give him a praise. the same way that Egypt had to release Israel it's the same way that the enemy has to release you come on somebody I feel like preaching a moment right here because not only did Pharaoh have to let him go but before they left he said here take our gold take our silver take a, I'll pay you to leave I'll do whatever I got. I'm preaching to somebody in the building uh, that when God starts working on your behalf, uh, the devil's going to beg God, uh, just get him out of here. Uh, whatever it takes, come on. Uh, bless him if you got to bless him. Uh, heal him if you got whatever it takes. Uh, just get them out. Uh, and so... In such fashion, Israel's release was predicated on one major principle. He said, Moses, I want you to tell every man to sacrifice a lamb and to put its blood upon the doorpost of the house. And when I see the blood, I will pass over them. I will pass over that household. And the blood of the lamb will cover that house from judgment. Is there anybody in the building that's thankful for the blood of the lamb in this place? Is there anybody? Come on, somebody. We used to sing songs about there is power. Power. 
power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. I'll bring it to this generation. The blood still works. I wish somebody would testify that the blood still, the same blood that brought your grandmama out, the same blood that delivered your grandpa out, the same blood that brought me out is the same blood that can cover your sin, that can deliver you from the enemy, that can bring you out of bondage. I just need about 200 people in the building uh, to shout the blood, the blood, the blood still works. It can still get you off the street. It can still bring you out of promiscuity. It can still heal your body. It, the blood. The blood, the blood. That's why you hear us pray every once in a while. And all of a sudden we'll begin to plead the blood of Jesus. What are you doing, God? Cover it with your blood. Because there's a barrier that the enemy can't break. And that's the blood of Jesus. He can only go so far. He can only take it so long. But when it comes to the blood... said you tell them to put the blood over the doorpost but don't stop at the blood it's the death of the lamb and the blood of the lamb I want you to tell them to take the body of that lamb and I want them to burn it with fire and I want them to eat the entirety of the lamb because it's not just the blood on the doorpost if it's not the lamb inside of you. You don't just need the blood covering you. You need the lamb living on the inside. It's the blood and the body. I wish I had a witness in the building. It's the blood and the body. And when you eat it, don't eat it in your nightgown. Get your clothes on. When you eat it, put your traveling clothes on. Lace your running shoes on. Get your backpack ready. Why? Because once the blood is on the doorpost and the lamb is in your body, then it's time to go to the water. I wish I had a church in the building because it's going to be at the Red Sea that I destroy Pharaoh. It's going to be at the Red Sea that I'm going to take your past and obliterate it. It's going to be at the Red Sea that I bury everything that had you bound. Get up. Get up. Take it to the water. Tell 
your neighbor, neighbor. Tell him you gotta get to the water. Once you turn from Egypt, you gotta run to the water. You may have repented. You may even already have the Holy Ghost. But when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, Pharaoh has to let you go forever. When you're baptized in Jesus' name for the washing away, the remission of your sin, those sins no longer have a hold on you. God said, when I bring you through the Red Sea, you will see them no more. Now, I would think that that would be good just to say that. But then he adds something to it. Forever. <laughs> that means they ain't ever coming back, Jack. Once they're buried in the blood, you'll never have to face Pharaoh again. I wish I had a church in the building. You might have to fight a Philistine. You might have to fight a Hittite or a Jebusite. But you'll never have to deal with Pharaoh again. Because whatever is under the blood. So brings them out but as you understand this morning that was my introduction now I'm ready to preach as you understand this morning they did not walk straight into the promised land there was a journey between deliverance and the promise I just need a few people that have lived for God long enough to understand that it's a journey from deliverance to the promise. Oh, I wish I had some, some real people in the house. When I got baptized and received the Holy Ghost, I didn't wake up the next morning with everything God promised me, but I was on my way. I was on, it was a journey from deliverance. That's why you gotta be patient and keep putting one foot in front of the other because you got, that the Bible says to as many as have received him, to them gave he power to become. That word is indicative of process. It's a process of becoming. It's a little bit at a time. God could have created everything in one day, Brother Stewart, but he didn't do it that way. It was a process. He did a little bit, and then he stepped back and said, it is good. Then he waited till the next day, and he did a little bit more, and he stepped back and said, that's good for today. And then the next day, you know what? You may not have 
your stars in the sky, uh, your birds may not be flying, uh, and your fish may not be swimming, uh, but you ought to just thank God uh, that your light uh, is separated from darkness. Uh, oh, you got to learn uh, how to give him praise uh, in the process. Uh, I may not be uh, where I want to be, uh, but thank God uh, I'm not where I used to. It's a process. Sister Liz, that's why you got to just keep getting up and keep moving forward because everything God has for us, none of it is behind us. Everything is in front. Who am I preaching to? Don't look back. There's nothing there for you. Don't look over your shoulder. Everything God has for you is in your future. So they began their journey between Egypt and Canaan. And the Bible tells us in our narrative today that they were three days into that journey and they recognized that they had no water. They had no water. In any conditions this would be a grave concern but not only are they in a normal circumstance they are in a desert place where the heat is a steadfast opponent and in those kind of conditions to run out of water is a death sentence to somebody and they realize we came out of Egypt into the desert place but we have no water we're not gonna live very long in this kind of a situation and somewhere along the way somebody remembered about a place called Mara and they said we know where there is some water there's a place called Mara that has if we could just make it enough to get tomorrow then I think we can survive and so in desperation they make their way to a place called Mara and as they approach Mara there are the waters of Mara and I can imagine some ambitious member of the group as he sprints toward the water and as he makes his way to the edge of where the water is he falls to his knees and brings his mouth straight to the surface of the water but when he takes his first mouthful of the water he violently turns his head to the side and sprays the water out because he realizes that the waters of Mara are bitter waters. They are waters that are contaminated with bitterness and they are not usable to be able to drink. You ever been in a situation where you thought to yourself, if I could just make it there, 
then I'll be all right. I'm preaching to somebody in the building. If I could just get past this situation, then everything's going to be all right. Just to find yourself facing another challenge. They were facing the challenge of bitter water. And it was at this point, the Bible says, that the people began to complain and murmur against Moses. This was a proclivity of theirs that God would eventually get out of their system. It took 40 years in a wilderness, but God finally taught them how to stop their murmuring and complaining. But they began to complain and murmur against Moses. You brought us out of Egypt just for us to die. Uh, you, 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 we thought you were delivering us. But God, I wonder if the place you brought us out of, even though it wasn't ideal, was not better than where I'm at right now. I'm preaching to somebody in the building. Have you ever been in a situation uh, where, where, where the enemy spoke to you uh, and you entertained thoughts uh, that said, I, I don't know if I was ready for this kind of a challenge. Uh, I wanted out of Egypt so bad, uh, but now I'm wondering, uh, is it going to be worth the price? Uh, I may have to give my very life uh, for the cost of getting out uh, of Egypt. They were complaining uh, and murmuring against Moses. You brought us, Moses, to this bitter place. And so Moses prays and he says, God, I know you didn't bring us out here to die. Surely there is something you can do that we can drink this water. And it is here in our text, the Bible says that God shows Moses a tree. This is important because there were more than likely many trees in the area. He didn't need anybody to show him where the trees were, but there was a specific tree God showed Moses. He showed him a particular tree. And he said, Moses, you see that tree right there? Take that tree and throw it into the water. And so Moses takes the tree that God shows him. And he drags it over to where the water is. And he throws the tree into the water and lo and behold right before their very eyes the Bible says that God turns the bitter water into sweet water what a miracle from God that God could take water that was contaminated and that was bitter and that by simply putting a tree into the water that the water can be turned from bitter water into sweet water. What a miracle from God. The miracle becomes 
even more profound when you begin to understand that Hebrew scholars agree that the tree that would have been found in that time and area was the Rhodaphne tree. The Rhodaphne tree is what is known as a rose laurel. Experts declare that the miracle is even compounded when you understand the properties of the Rhoda, the Rhoda Daphne tree. It bears flowers that are like lilies, but they are exceedingly bitter. And the bark of this tree is exceedingly bitter. And there is a small fruit that is produced by the tree that is also extremely bitter. And so they say the miracle is that even greater, God took a bitter tree and put it in some bitter water and was able to make something sweet. He took a tree whose bark was full of bitterness and its flowers were bitter. A tree that bore fruit of bitterness. And when you put that bitter tree into the bitter water, it did not make the water more bitter, but instead it caused the water to be sweet. And today, I want to preach to you about that bitter tree. I want to preach to you this morning because there are some people in this building this morning who are trying to come out of Egypt, who are trying to make their way to God's promises in your life, but your story is a bitter story. Your past is a bitter past. You have not much good to say about what's behind you and what you've been through and what your yesterday represents. And up to this point, your life seems to have been one bitter drink after the other. Is there anybody in the house today that knows what I'm talking about? That when you look over your shoulder, you're reminded of the bitterness of the life that you have lived. The heartache and the struggles and the betrayals and all of the things that you say, my life has been a bitter life. And preacher, I'm trying to be what God wants me to be. And I'm trying to get to where God's promises are. But I find myself stranded in a place with no water. And the only thing I have in front of me is a life full of bitterness. I want to tell you this morning that I know where you're coming from. 
because I too have a bitter story. And I know what it's like to have a bitter past. I know what it's like to be born into the household of alcoholics. I know what it's like to grow up in a home filled with violence and fighting and physical abuse. I know what it's like to be a child subjugated to an environment of drug addiction and partying and wild promiscuous I know what it's like to have waters that are bitter. I know what it's like to have memories as a little boy of being beaten so badly that I was within a breath's hair of dying. I know what it's like to be just a toddler and to be beaten almost beyond recognition. I know what it's like to grow up in a home of dysfunction where, where, where there's fear of even being able to survive or live. I know what it's like to have some bitter waters, Brother Dale. I took my first ride in a cop car in handcuffs when I was only 12 years old. And by the time I was 13, I was not only kicked out of the school, but they wanted to kick me out of the school district. They didn't want me going back to any of the schools because I was so full of anger and bitterness that all I wanted to do was to fight. I know what it's like to have a life that is full of bitterness, to be broken and hurt and confused and abandoned. But can I preach to you this morning that there was a remedy for my bitter water and the remedy for my bitter water was a bitter tree. The remedy for the bitter water of my life was the bitter tree. Can I preach to you for a moment about the bitter tree? You see, this bitter tree begins with a slap in the face and then spit running down the face from mockers and then a broken reed smashed across the cheeks of my Messiah. The bitter tree begins with a crown of thorns being pressed upon his head, opening up lacerations with blood beginning to flow down his face in pain as the salt from the sweat runs into the open wounds and the pain becomes almost unbearable. This is the bitter tree. You see, my bitter tree was exceedingly bitter with a cat of nine tails. 
that was whipped into his back. And when they pulled it away, it would tear chunks of flesh and tissue and muscle and nerve would be ripped from his back and they did it over and over and over 39 times across his back until all that was left was a gaping hole exposing his ribs and the bones with blood coming out this was the bitter tree and he did it just for me. My bitter tree had another tree laid across his back, his bare back with gaping wounds and across his whipped shoulders and he carried that cross up a hill and with every step that he took that tree shifted back and forth across the wounds that were in his back splinters digging into his flesh as they continued to whip him and mock him and drive him up a hill and the heavy weight back and forth. It was this that was the bitter tree. They took that bitter tree and they laid it on the ground and they stretched out his arms and they drove spikes through his hands. Oh, and with every pound, he could have summoned legions of angels to deliver him from this bitter nightmare. But that bitter tree was more important because he understood that it was for my bitter life that he was on that bitter tree. And with every pound of the nail, he thought about you. And with every pound of the hammer, he knew your bitter life. And with every whip on his back, he remembered the bitterness of what you would have to live in your life. They took his feet and put them together. And with one long spike, they drove both of his feet and secured him to that tree. They secured him to that tree. But at the same time, they secured my future. They secured him to the tree. But at the same time, they secured my eternity. They nailed him to a cross. But at the same time, my sins would be nailed to that same tree. Oh, I can preach this morning. I can just see that as they lifted the bitter tree up from the earth, Satan's eyes getting wide as he remembers the scripture that if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. 
that bitter tree was set in place. And they ran a spear through his side. And water and blood began to gush from his torso. But it's that bitter tree where he lifted his voice and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was a tree of bitterness. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah declares in Isaiah 53 and 3 that he is despised and rejected of men. Can I just preach to somebody that's ever lived life and felt like you were despised and rejected by people? You're in good company. They did it to Jesus too. And if they can despise and reject Jesus, you better believe they'll despise and reject you. But one of the testimonies of this bitter tree is that while he was there, he declared, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. Music comes. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. I wonder if there's anybody that can take that personal this morning. He was wounded for my transgressions. It was my sin that put him on a cross. It was my sin that caused him to whip him. It was my transgression that caused the crown of thorns because of my evil thoughts and his hands to be pierced for my evil deeds. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities and the chastisement of my peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid upon him that, that tree the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and afflicted yet he opened not his mouth 
And he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 52 and 14 describes him and says that his face was marred beyond human likeness. You want to talk about bitter. In one place, the prophet writes as the question is asked to him, where did those scars in your hands come from? Jesus didn't say they came from my haters. He said they came from those of my own household. Because part of that bitter tree is sometimes you're hurt by the people you love the most. That's on the bitter tree too. All of that is on that tree. And in one final statement, as he hangs there, carrying the bitterness that's in your life and mine, he uttered three words that forever declared victory when he said, it is finished. It's finished. And because it's finished, one day, a 14-year-old boy with bitter water met Jesus. And that day, when that bitter tree was put into my bitter waters, my life went from bitterness and God changed everything in my life. And from the waters of bitterness, a brand new fountain began to flow in my life of fresh and sweet water because it's the bitter tree that's the remedy for bitter waters. And I'm preaching as we stand all over this house. I'm preaching to people in this place today. You've been trying to make your way to God's promises. You've been trying to make the journey from deliverance to what God has for you. But along the way, you've got stuck uh, in a place called Mara and you're dealing with resentment uh, and bitterness uh, and hurt uh, but can I preach to you uh, that there's only one remedy uh, for bitter water uh, and that is the bitter tree uh, and its blood is flowing uh, in this house today uh, there is a fountain uh, that is flowing in this place come on as we stand all over this house I wonder if there's anybody here today. You're not worried about anybody else in this room, but you would get out of your seat and make your way to the front of this house and say, God, I need your remedy for the bitter waters of my life. God, I'm coming to you right now, and I need the bitter tree. Come on, whosoever will, 
right now these altars are open. Would you come? Come on, as we're praying in this house, heads bowed and eyes closed. Come on, would you respond to God calling you right now? Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't care how much bitterness is represented in years gone by. There's a remedy for the bitter water today. There's a remedy for your past. And it's the bitter tree of Calvary. Come on. Somebody needs to make a move right now. Come on, come out from your pew. Come out from where you're sitting and make your way down to this altar. Come on. He's in this place right now. Come on, he's in this place. Lift up your bitter hands. Lift up that bitter voice and begin to call on him. There's a remedy in this house for your soul. There's a remedy in this house for your past. There's a remedy in this house for your yesterday. pray this morning. Come on, all over the sanctuary. I need every saint of God that can to move from where you're at and find somebody. Begin to pray with them right now. Come on. Come on, there's a remedy. There's a remedy. Come on. He's in the room right now. Come on, he's in the room right now. Afraid to shed those bitter tears. Don't be afraid to talk to him. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. I know you've been hurting. I know you've been confused. I know you've been in pain. I know you've been dealing with your past and you've been dealing with your failures. But there's a remedy in this house right now. There's an answer in this place. Lift your hands. His presence is here right now. His presence is here right now. He's about to turn your 
has to leave. Bitterness has to go. There's a healing virtue in this place. stuck and mara and complain and murmur 
a few more moments this morning. Just a few more moments this morning. your hands as we stand all over this house one more time come on while your hands are lifted would somebody just open up your mouth in this place can we thank him this morning can we thank him this morning for his presence in this house Woo, come on all over this sanctuary thank you jesus let's clap our hands and give him a praise